one. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So uh, today we are going to be talking about Gen X and Gen Z. So since my dad is Gen X and I'm Gen Z, we're going to be sort of talking about what market research has told us about these specific generations and if or how it applies to us. So for context, I am Generation Z. I was born in 1997, um, and some scholars debate on whether I'm a, I'm a millennial or whatnot, but most agree that 1997 is pretty much the cutoff point for Generation Z, you know, digital nomads and the like. And of course, my dad is Gen X. Uh, he was born in 1968. And um, can you tell me what the cutoff is for Gen X? Are you an older or younger Gen X? I am, uh, so Generation X is 1965 to 1980. Okay. Uh, so, all right, cool. Right yep. Yeah. So we're just going to dive into basically some things that are said about each uh, one of our generations and talk about how it applies to us and sort of a greater conversation on what it means for the future. Yeah. So uh, on this list uh, for Gen Z, it says diversity is their norm. And I think that's actually very true because Gen Z is, uh, has grown up sort of with this digital footprint, you know, right? Being able to meet all kinds of people around the world rather than just seeing movies or just television that's portrayed to them and giving them an idea of what life is actually like. Because of course, there's 7 billion people on this planet and there's so many different people of different backgrounds, cultures, just countries. Every single person from every single different walk of life is now represented through this crazy machine of the internet that we have and that we get to more readily engage with that. So I think we've sort of grown to realize that not everybody is just like ourselves and there's many different perspectives that sort of go through um, our, age, our age range. Um, would you agree with that for the most part? Would you say that uh, diversity sort of defines a lot of what Gen Z cares about and what they sort of engage with? 100%, yep. Yeah, no yeah. question. And, you know, I just, uh, I think that's one of the, um, I'm not going to call it a contrast, but I think that's part of the evolution of humankind. Progress. And, um, yeah, progress. And, and honestly, when you think about it, it's the interconnectivity of the world, mm -hmm. I think, which there are lots of pros to that. I mean, there are, there are lots of cons too, I'm just going to tell you, but there are a lot of pros to the interconnectivity of the world. I think society is more accountable to itself. Uh, mm -hmm. And we as people are more accountable to one another as a result of instantaneous information. So because of the advances in technology, I think there's greater appreciation, greater respect for uh, the diversity of thought, people, walks of life, perspectives, all that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, you, were, you were also talking about, you know, the gift of interconnectivity with social media and how it can be sort of a double-edged sword. I'll agree with that. And I'd say, um, especially for people in my generation, Twitter has kind of taken on a new meaning since it was, I remember you uh, were using Twitter in maybe 2009 or something like that. And that used to be your favorite app, right? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting you think of it as my favorite app. I don't remember it being my favorite app, but maybe it's because it is certainly my least favorite social media platform now, largely because it's become so incredibly toxic. And so I, I'm really almost, I've almost abandoned Twitter. Yeah, I'll expand on that for you. Uh, Twitter is actually my favorite platform, but I know it, it is. it's because it's so bad. I mean, I think I'm constantly... <laughs> okay. Well, no, it's so funny because 
it, it's great to be able to see all these different perspectives and takes and criticisms and ideas and opinions that people have in the world. But of course, Twitter has some of the worst takes I've really ever seen. It's incredible to be able to just like scroll tweet after tweet and just find so many people thinking the way they do. And the comment sections are absolutely hilarious sometimes. I mean, it, it's, it really gives you an idea of just where you're at in your town, in your city. It's a very small microcosm of what the world really thinks about uh, on a particular subject. So I think in the bigger picture, it's fascinating in that way. But oh my goodness, I think one of the reasons why I love Twitter so much is because it's such a dumpster fire of crazy opinions, you know? And see, I have zero uh, respect, zero interest, uh, and honestly, zero tolerance for digital bravery. Digital because bravery. Without- nine, nine out of 10 things that are said via social media are, are, are typically not going to be spoken in person. And yes, I think it, so it just gives people a platform to be horrible. Yeah. And you know what? That's part of the double edged sword of digital interconnectivity that my generation has really adopted. Yeah, um, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely become a topic of debate, sort of being about what you say rather than just saying something into the wind. And yeah. of course, it's so much easier to say something when, you know, nobody's going to come and follow up with you about that. Right. And so, you're anonymous. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So give me sort of a characteristic of um, Gen X. Like what okay. is what is emblematic of you, essentially? Yeah, well, there are several. I mean, you know, I think Gen X is known to value autonomy. I mm-hmm. think that's largely a function of we were the first generation. There's a term called latchkey kids that I think uh, emerged sort of in the 80s when both parents, we were the first generation where both of our parents or guardians were working. And so we were left to our own devices. So we are more comfortable. We're more autonomous because we grew up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, similarly, I think we, it, that has also made us more flexible. It also um, sort of, I think, created some expectations for clearer goals and and deliverables. I mean, I think just in general, these things, I think, speak to my nature anyway. I'm very goal-oriented. I have a very very clear idea. What's that? You're very independent. That's something I've (laughs) always noticed about you. You, I feel like you recharge with the people that you care about the most, but for the most part, it's not like you're dependent on anybody for you to get your work done. You're very self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. You've always been driven by you know, your own goals and your own understanding of things. And I, I definitely feel like that sort of harkens back to what you're talking about. Because yeah. there was this concept of uh, free play that I heard on um, the Joe Rogan podcast. He had this, I think, a counselor or a psychiatrist on. And he was talking about how generational divides sort of happened with how kids were developed and how they were raised, essentially. And of course, you had your parents or you had a parents, you know, uh, whatever mix of the family you had. But the latchkey kid concept gave children the um, ability to be independent, to discover things for themselves, rather than having to have somebody tell that to them or sort of guide their life. So I think anyway, that nurtured independence, which, in my opinion, hasn't really translated as much over to Gen Z, ironically. But Mm -hmm. there are some good aspects about that. And there's some bad aspects about it. But uh, you would generally say that a feeling of independence, self-sufficiency has sort of pervaded your generation? Yeah, I think so. I, cool. I, I definitely think so. Gen, Gen X is also considered right now the most stressed generation alive, but also the generation that is most, 
adept at handling that stress, which I think is interesting. You know, people who are born, uh, you know, who are Generation X were born between 1965 and 1979. So we're, you know, we're hitting our 50s. I hit my 50s a few years ago. And I think at this stage of your life, you're sort of in a point uh, professionally where you carry a lot of responsibility. I think personally, you may or may not find yourself as someone with, uh, if you have children, uh, they might be in college. Fortunately for your mom and me, our children are out of college, which we (laughs) very much appreciate and enjoy. Um, So, you know, I think it's just, you know, there's never been any doubt that our environment shapes who we are. And I think if you look at generations, you see the independence, the autonomy, the um, self-sufficiency in Gen X, probably more than you see in other generations, just because of the circumstances. Yeah, certainly. And I definitely feel like there was um, a sense of individualism that happened around the time that you were born. Because when we think of like Woodstock in the 1960s, that was a lot of individual self-expression and discovery. That was a a far cry from the rebellion of maybe, I don't know, greasers in the 1950s or people who broke the norm. There was more of a platform to be who you were as an artist or a creative or somebody in business. But I definitely felt like you weren't put as much into a box in that way. And I think that sort of, led y'all through up to you know the millennial generation because even in that small span of time i I would say tons of world like you know notable events happened in the united states and world history as well that sort of changed really uh showed a shift from baby boomers to gen x so yeah i mean just well speaking of that i'll just give you a few examples so i grew up during the aids epidemic Mm -hmm. uh the end of the cold war the right. Challenger disaster, which I have referenced multiple times in this podcast. I remember exactly where I was the day it happened, January 28th, 1986. The late 80s and the early 90s crime wave, 9-11, which I remember vividly. Um, the Great Recession, which I remember vividly. And of course, COVID-19. And so, you know, to your point, you know, every generation has significant, honestly, society-changing milestones in it but those are just a a short list of the ones that have occurred in my lifetime yeah absolutely so moving on to our next sort of characteristic here um it says gen z uh they're the first digital natives and i would absolutely agree almost above all else that that is true i would Um, agree too i mean of course i still remember a time where um I wasn't on the computer every day. And, you know, we played outside. We had action figures instead of TV screens and iPads and tablets, you know. And not every person in middle school or elementary school had a smartphone or device. Uh, I do remember that was about that was about half of my childhood. And then the rest sort of relied a little bit more on these things that I was talking about, Um, of course. You know, uh, back when, you know, we were kids, we loved to watch, you know, videotapes and stuff like that. But that was about the most screen time we got. And by the time I was in sixth grade, you know, I'd started using the computer more for assignments. And, you know, we had, there was more of an emphasis on what the internet could do for you because the iPhone came out around 2007. And of course, the iPad came out in 2009 or 2010. And you just had so many different ways of being able to have sort of a digital arm in your pocket. Um, it, it, it really just sort of changed how I grew up when I was about 10 or 11, but I do remember a time 
before all of that was readily available. You know, you can, you can probably say yourself that I wasn't raised by a TV screen or a tablet, right? I would say that's true. You know, I hear people talk this past week, I heard someone reference, you know, they were watching their grandchild and they said something about uh, screen time. And that was not anything I ever worried about with you. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's a function of their grandchild is a different is, is, you know, obviously, maybe they are considered a Gen Z, but they're nine years old. So I don't know what that, that generation is. But the point being, is that you were growing up in a time where um, technology was becoming much more uh, commonplace in everyone's life. It was a great um, shift. You, yeah, you and I remember, and Luke will remember when we had dial up internet. I remember we used to call, so it used to be called Roadrunner. Um, and the, well, the, the faster, yeah. Yeah, the fastest, uh, I guess, internet that you could get used to be called Roadrunner. And we called it Coyote because it could never seem to exactly uh, right. yeah. be fast enough. And um, I, it, it's funny. I remember the old, uh, the fax machine, the, the um, way that sounded. And I uh, missed the printer and it took 15 minutes for a computer to start if you were lucky. I remember those days. Yeah. So I, I think it's cool that as a really old member of Generation Z, I can recognize what earlier, you know, omnipresent technology looked like, but I also see just, you know, how advanced we are today. Yeah. And to give you sort of an idea of perspective, I was born in 1997. So by the time 2005 came around, where, where is, uh, where most college freshmen, I think, are starting uh, now, college uh -huh. first years are starting now, they're born in uh -huh. 2005. I was old enough to watch my first PG-13 movie and enjoy Star Wars and have a pretty good grasp of like, you know, where I was like in the world, even in like, you know, first or second grade. I know that sounds funny, but it, it just goes to show even that small amount of time within the same generation has vastly different sort of ways of experiencing technology and growing up, right? Because yeah. when I was in middle school, people started getting smartphones, not everybody. But by the time high school rolled around, essentially most people had a smartphone. For people that were born in 2005, who are just now starting out college, those are the ones who remember always being online, having tablets, even when they were young, yes. having those cell phones, maybe in elementary school. That was commonplace to them. And that was only, what, a seven-year difference in time? Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of pockets of... Um, understanding i would say within one generation which is which, cool. which is why you can imagine or you can understand someone growing up today uh spending a lot of time going from one screen to another screen to another screen and you know what i'm not going to sit i'm not going to sit around and point my finger and say you know oh i was there before smartphones and whatnot because i love the internet and technology just as much as any other person in my generation. Uh -huh. I use it all the time. And if I didn't have that for my job, I honestly don't know what I do. I was watching um, an episode of a TV show yesterday. And so some guy got his car towed and then he went to go call an Uber and his phone was switched off. And the rest of the scene, which took maybe like 10 minutes, was him just trying to find his way to a charger or some sort of like electronic directory to where he could actually help himself. And it made uh -huh. me think, you know, that kind of reminds me of me because I think I'm pretty self-sufficient, but without technology, I really don't know how useful I'd be. You know, we're kind of lost when we don't have this instant thing to reference. Well, so, I, I have to, I have to offer this here. Sorry. 
I remember when you, so and I've talked about this before too, but it, early in my professional career, I was traveling uh-huh. and there was no GPS at the time. Right. And so I was reliant on maps to get me from point A to point B. To you had to print C. this out, right? I either had to print them out. Well, this was before even MapQuest too. Wow. I sound like I'm dating myself, but, um, <laughs> and I am, but uh, so the point is, is I had to go to the gas station and buy a map and just sort of follow the map. And, and, you know, honestly, that was a, a terrific geography lesson for me oh. in the area that I needed to, to travel. And I learned a lot from that. And now, of course, GPS is pervasive. So you don't have to know in your mind where something is. Mm-hmm. And candidly, I remember when your cell phone died uh, when you were living in Los Angeles and we had it cut off for just a few moments. And I remember you getting in touch with us somehow and saying, you, I need it to get from point A to point B to point C. And I thought, wow, that was an example to me. And frankly, a very um, startling uh, um, awareness that you were so dependent on technology I mean, that true. I never had uh, the, the ability to use. And so my sense of the world and when I think about places mm-hmm. is very different than yours. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I, a lot of that can be chalked up to just being in a brand new environment and just not knowing where anything was. But then again, it's like I could have read a map or gone somewhere to figure out like what my pathway is. But generally, but you don't need to. You that's what I'm saying. And right. that, that's what it all comes back to. Right. Because convenience is king and convenience makes things easier on us, but it doesn't necessarily represent the things that we. What do I always say? You cannot put a price on convenience. Absolutely not. And that's why Amazon is so popular. And that's right. In the face of a lot of, um, you know, businesses struggling during the pandemic for a lot of unfair reasons, honestly. Fairly recently, speaking of that, fairly recently, I went uh, one morning, I went to walmart.com on my phone Mm -hmm. and I placed an order. And this was probably 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. It was delivered to the house at two that afternoon, that same afternoon. I would not have had time to even go to the store to get it. Talk about convenience. Talk about- I didn't even know it was that fast. That's, well, that's that incredible. was unusual, but the, the mere fact that I could actually, I mean, when I got the delivery notification and I had just come back from lunch, mm-hmm. I was impressed. So yeah. that's an advanced, you know, that's an obvious example of tremendous uh, advantage of technology and our, uh, you know, use of, use of it in today's world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one final thing I'd have to say about, you know, sort of technology usage is that I'm both archaic and sort of up to the times with the way I use technology. It's just like, you know, I never, I never really ever used Facebook. I don't use TikTok. It just doesn't interest me. I feel too mm-hmm. old for it in many instances, despite realizing, you know, how useful it can be for people my Almost age. 24. <laughs> almost 24 okay too old for it all right well you know it's just what's popular like especially within my generation and i look at that and i'm just like you know that's i mean i don't really i don't really understand this trend so and i'm i, I think about that sometimes and, and I, if you don't understand it imagine how a member of, of gen x feels about it well yeah i i mean it, there's there's a lot of i mean you know there's a lot of things it's like i don't really use snapchat much anymore either it's just i I feel like I am online pretty constantly, but you know, there's quite a few ways that I consume like 
media or interact with it that mm-hmm. other uh, people don't. I don't even use, I don't even use Amazon really. I mean, I almost never do. I feel like mm-hmm. I'll use my account more than I do myself, but um, I, I would definitely agree with the notion that we are the first generation to sort of be digital natives as we grew up. For so, sure. Let me, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you some additional um, examples of what Gen, Gen X is known for. And you tell me if these resonate with you in observing me. Yes. Okay. So we've already talked about uh, independence, autonomy, and you say uh, that you recognize that in me. Mm-hmm. Gen X expects flexibility. Gen X expects clear goals and deliverables, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Gen X values work-life balance. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a term I don't like. Gen X values education. Mm -hmm. And Gen X is comfortable with technology. So talk to me about those. Uh, I would say, generally speaking, all of those apply to you, maybe except for the first and the last. Yes, you guys are comfortable with technology far more than, you know, um, baby boomers would be, you know, I feel like baby boomers have really only migrated or stayed on Facebook and, you know, they're not really willing to learn new technologies. Um, in many ways, you know, it's like Gen X isn't old yet. You know what I'm saying? They're right. able, they're able to, enjoy. I think you're right. They were, <laughs> they were in their late thirties, uh, maybe mid thirties when, you know, the iPhone and tablets came out and those have general, like actual useful functions to yeah. a lot of, the jobs that they work today. Um, and of course, as convenience is uh, becoming, you know, far more, uh, far more of a thing in society, the whole goal of technology is for the, everybody to be able to use it almost on equal plane, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like Gen X is still young enough to care about those kinds of things without maybe caring as much about the brand new things that are coming in. I right. mean, you can, I mean, you can use Microsoft Office a lot better than I can, but I can use Google, uh, the Google suite better than you can. Oh, it's much just, more so. Yeah. So it's just, I, I guess it's a matter of timing. You know, you guys are, um, y'all are not, uh, when it comes to community, uh, communication and technology, no, you're not idiots. Absolutely not. But I wouldn't say that you're quite as uh, digitally inclined as uh, millennials, of course. I think that's very fair. Yeah. And so what was the, what was the first one again? Flexibility with time. So flexibility. Yeah. Um, expects with Gen X expects flexibility. Do um, I expect flexibility. I would say that is in my sort of viewpoint is not you and it's not Gen X as much. I think that's more millennials. And I agree. Um, I think Gen X took a lot of traits from baby boomers in terms of work ethic without sort of questioning or and work expectations I would say yeah I would say they I would say millennials started the conversation around um, changing how we work and what work-life integration is like but I would say generally speaking you know most of those things apply to you very much as well yeah yeah Okay. So give me uh, another characteristic of Gen X that we can talk about. Gen X values education. Education. Um, I would absolutely say so, uh, especially in your case. But of course, <laughs> you know, you're an exception, not the rule. But I would generally, I, I, would, I would like to think that even, even Gen Z still values education. You know, I think we realize now more, days, uh, more nowadays that it's not as essential to go to college 
in order to get something out of your career because you can be something else and you know be successful but it's still an important stepping stone to having the proper credentials to perform for someone else or something else um you know i i i it's weird because i feel like the silent generation didn't care as much about education of course right you know Mm -hmm. a high school diploma was equivalent to a college degree in a lot of ways like early early on maybe even some baby boomers Mm -hmm. but i feel like most of your generation has or a lot of your generation has a college degree uh in a higher volume than maybe baby boomers did and i think millennials have you know so on and so forth as it goes but i think education is incredibly important because um i like to look at things from a growth mindset we can always do better we can always learn more you know there's experts in the field but that doesn't mean you're done learning and i think a mastery of a topic is sort of disingenuous because there's always something new to sort of glean from whatever you're learning or whatever somebody else has to teach you mm-hmm. so i i i love learning but like most people in gen z i think we actually really do like learning but not in the way it's generally given to us through academic instruction that's fair yeah because i mean and there's so many different tools to use to learn now too so i think that's you know why yeah definitely so um uh one more bit about gen z um an interesting part about gen z is that they have over 100 billion dollars in uh buying power in today's market i think the actual approximation is about 143 billion um they are consumers very, very much so, despite their, um, despite their insistence on, you know, caring about social causes and, you know, environmental issues, you know, carbon footprints and whatnot. Um, their Gen Z is very much a vanity and consumption based generation. And don't which, you think part of that consumption uh, is a result of how accessible so many things are these days? Well, certainly when a couple clicks on your phone and you can have something delivered, as I said, in a matter of hours or in a matter of a few days, things that you might go out and take some time to purchase in a different era, you can literally have almost instantaneously at, you know, at the end of a few days kind of thing. Absolutely. And I'll admit um, that's made my patience. That's it's it's definitely affected my patience in the past, you know, five, seven years. Whenever I go to search something or pull something up and it's not there or it doesn't come to me as quickly as I'm expecting it to, it can irk me a lot more than it should, right? Because there's- I completely agree. As a member of a different generation, I completely agree. We're so accustomed to getting things instantaneously now that if we have to wait for anything, it it adds greater frustration for us. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I- used to be able to wait for so long just doing nothing when I was younger and nowadays it's just like okay if this well I'm waiting for that to load up I'm checking my phone for this or if something else you know there's a million ways to do it I've often said I've often wondered if and I'm sure studies have been done but once upon a time I heard in a psychology class or something that uh, there was an assessment of people who were waiting for elevators Mm -hmm. And when they were waiting for an elevator, they, they felt like it took too long. So there were a lot of complaints about the, sl- the sluggish pace of the elevators arriving at the particular floor. So stairs. one of the, one of the salute, what's that? But they have stairs, which is so ironic. Well, there's that too. But one <laughs> yeah. of the solutions that came about was putting mirrors in the hallways in between the mirror, in between the elevators. To keep them occupied. To keep them occupied. 
and right. the the complaints were virtually eliminated. So my point in 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 referencing that is I've always held on to that, but I think that waiting, even though we just talked about how we're so accustomed to things being instantaneous, waiting is not as big of a thing in 2021 as it was in 2001 because we have a computer in our hand at all times to entertain us. Oh yeah, that's to inform us. That's for sure. And so I find that in the cases that I do have to wait, for example, uh, your mom and I got stuck in 30 minutes of standstill traffic this morning. That was that was frustrating because I was in a car, I couldn't really do anything. You know what I mean? So yeah. You know, it's a little bit of a tangent, but at the same time it's I think ap- applicable to what we're talking about. Oh, certainly. I hate traffic with a passion. Uh, Los Angeles is only traffic. So um, that's a story for another day. But um, I, in my uh, master's level education, I've constantly come back to this fact when we're talking about generations. And it's generation, uh, generation Z has an attention span of, take a guess, how many seconds? Two. Eight. And millennials have an attention span of 12 seconds. I was going to say 12, I bet. Yeah. Right. So that just goes to show how I actually think Generation Z are more shrewd consumers because we are bombarded with advertisements. Everybody has, there's advertisements filling up a page. I mean, there's like some kind of fact saying you see hundreds, if not thousands of advertisements a day, but you don't even recognize it because you're so accustomed to it. Right. And I think Generation Z demands more out of what they purchase from, even though they can, they purchase, you know, quite often, but traditional ads by way of early 2000s or 90s, 80s don't work on Gen Z in the way that, you know, they would with other generations. They want more lifestyle, uh, branded marketing, which is why socially conscious. Yep. Why? Yeah. Why influencers have been become popular. They want something to mirror their own interests, hobbies, perspectives and general beliefs. So I think that they're actually more shrewd with their um, buying power. However, it's because we have, we've been inundated with so many brands and advertisements that right. there's so much buying going on. Yeah. So, I mean, of course that would contribute to such a short attention span because almost nothing catches your attention, but when it does, it's like it clicks, you know? There's well, no in the work that I do, we assess how long people are staying on different web pages, right? And sometimes it's two seconds, which is why I, I, I offered that initially. Two seconds, four seconds. If we can get someone to stay on a web page for almost a minute, that that's a win. Yeah, that's so called bounce really rate, interesting. I believe. Uh, bounce What's rate. that? I, yeah. I think that whole thing is called bounce rate when um, just depends on how engaged people are with mm-hmm. uh, your website. So right. very interesting how that works. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I would say one last thing that Generation Z does well is sort of they're also very hyper aware of themselves and mental health issues and have sort of grown more of a conversation, I think building off of millennials into saying what it's like to not be okay or acknowledge certain, you know, uh, certain things that society has stigmatized in the past. Of course, this is a double-edged sword because we got people self-diagnosing themselves all the time. And I think it sometimes makes for less resilient people, but overall the conversations acknowledging, explaining, and sort of being in community and like groups with people to be able to have those important talks about things that people wouldn't discuss long ago is actually super important. And I think that's helped give us more of an understanding that hustle culture isn't the only thing that you should be about in your life. 
you know, you should take time for yourself. You should be able to do more for others. You should be able to recognize what like sort of mental blocks that you're having and if you're doing well or not. And I would rather be in a generation that talks candidly and very openly about that rather than a generation who just says, suck it up, you know, uh, you'll get past it. Because well, and I think that's very real too. I mean, Gen X was, we're not really interested in talking about those things. And so I think your point is, is well taken and, and made, you know, this is a period of time in our history where there are four different generations working in uh, the same environment. So baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Zs are all working together. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be, I think it's, I would advise any of our listeners to just pull up generational differences so that you can just sort of see and I think it helps you understand one another in, a, in a, any particular setting, but particularly in a professional setting to understand, okay, these are, these are things that millennials think about. These are things Gen X thinks about. And if there's no overlap, you, you know, understanding uh, the difference can help, I think, bridge uh, difference or gaps in what could be a very successful working relationship. Yeah, I think that's a great talking point, too, because, of course, nowadays, you might not know about this. It's Gen Z versus baby boomers, that whole boomer terminology that was popular a year, year and a half ago. Not a fan. It's just uh, people love being divided and taking sides and being on teams or something like that. But by another measure, I do feel like Gen Z clashes with millennials and Gen X a lot less than closer generations have in the past. Mm. Of course, they recognize differences. but it would be really nice to be able to see more of a congregation of generations rather than saying you are this much older than me, which means you don't understand this. Right. Exactly. The upward which and is why I recommend that people actually go and, and, and spend some time. It doesn't take long. You can pull up generational differences and you get 30 different articles and, and just sort of, or charts and just sort of see what those uh, characteristics are. Because I think, you know, the more self-aware you are and the more aware you are, period, the better for everyone. You don't have to agree or necessarily understand everything uh-huh. another generation has, but you should be willing to be open-minded and to not give an overarching generalization of somebody before you actually intimately understand what they care about. I yeah. don't think go. I, I think going in with a negative attitude towards any person of any generation is a very close-minded thing to do. And what we should be doing is working together with one another to sort of keep this progress going because. I mean, how do we keep going if we're stagnating by just insulting one another or right. dumping on one another or, you know, just making jokes about one another? Because mm-hmm. there's going to be some people who are insufferable from every generation. And it's mm-hmm. it's going to be those bad apples that, you know, make that sort of put on a face for, you know, representing them as a whole. But mm-hmm. um, that's just not the way it should be. And I don't think the media is doing a very good job of trying to keep people together in this sense, because um, hopefully the next generation, I think Generation Alpha, uh, 2010 and after, uh, will be uh, more cognizant of that and be Mm -hmm. more willing to sort of, instead of acknowledging the differences, seeing, seeing where there are gaps and beliefs and structures, but also being able to come together and understand one another on a human level, right? Definitely. Cool. I like it. Cool. All right. So do you have any last uh, thoughts or characteristics about Gen X? No, I think we've covered, uh, you know, a lot of the characteristics of, of both generations. And, you know, the whole crux of this podcast is, 
you know, you're in one generation, I'm in another. And obviously our, our relationship is pretty significant. So, but yeah. if we're looking at things through different uh, generational lenses, yeah. you can really, I think, learn from one another. Yeah. And I definitely feel like I've learned a lot about you, uh, even just, I mean, of course, I've known you all my life. That's a joke. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I, aside what? Of, I've known you all my life too. You know, aside of, you know, the years that I've spent with you, I feel like just all your life. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, these last, you know, six months of uh, podcasting, by the way, uh, ZZ Talk crossed uh, the half year mark uh, a week or two ago. So congrats on that. Um, but I, I feel like I've learned a substantial amount more about you just by sitting down and asking you, you these questions week by week, whether it's silly, whether it's informative, whether it's sort of like a meditation on something. Uh -huh. I mean, only in this time alone, it's like one of the people I know best, I've actually learned way more about just in the span of under a year. So I think that's pretty cool, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Cool. So uh, we're going to move into our check it out section. Uh, do you have any recommendations? I do. I do. Right. So uh, it's a film, not a TV show this time. Mm -hmm. And it is called Let Him Go. And it is, a, it is a movie that is on HBO Max. It's starring Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. And your mom and I stumbled into it on Friday night, I think it was. Uh, but it's uh, it's an interesting film about a couple whose son dies and their daughter-in-law marries, uh, remarries, and mm -hmm. and um, they have a grandchild mm -hmm. with their son and daughter-in-law. And and of course, the, the son passes away. The daughter-in-law remarries an abusive person. Yeah. And they encounter him abusing both the child and uh the wife their daughter-in-law and so they go after uh the, huh. this family and it's really a very fascinating uh little little long tale of trying to do right and um demonstrating that love is more important than anything so yeah it's a good absolutely. film it's a it's a slow burn kind of film but one I recommend highly and it's really well acted and, you know, makes me happy. I've said this before on this podcast, Kevin Costner is just having a, a renaissance, yeah. a Costner, a Costner renaissance, as they, as they say. And uh, that's really kind of, kind of uh, exciting to see. Well, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, that sounds like a unique. It's called Let Him Go. Let Him Go. All right. Um, so this is actually not a sponsorship or advertisement at all. Uh, you heard that in the beginning. Um, this is actually just an endorsement of a pretty cool uh, app that I've come across after, you know, moving into the city and having a lot more options to eat. Um, that app is called Open Table. It's pretty cool because I made a reservation for the breakfast place we ate this morning via Open Table. Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know Open Table existed because I was just used to driving to every chain restaurant that I could find in our old small town not too long ago. But <laughs> nowadays, uh, you can go on open table and you can see the price. Uh, you can see the reservation time slots for booking a table. Uh, it gives you all the contact information on the page. Uh, you don't have to just search individually on Google or Safari for menus anymore. Everything you need is really documented within all these, um, all these restaurants on the app. So, you know, I was, I probably booked like 10 tables through this. And it shows really cool events that are going on too, or anything of note uh, with that sort of a uh, restaurant. You can save 
uh, you can look at the full menu, you can uh, save a page of a restaurant and you can see reviews right there, which is honestly very useful to me because my dad and I are very critical of the places and uh, pieces of media we consume. Are we? Um, I, I would say so. I would absolutely <laughs> say so. But essentially, you know, this is um, this is just a directory and a convenient way to schedule everything and learn everything you need about each restaurant. So if you're at that point uh, in time where everybody else is, where you both decide you want to go somewhere to eat, you want to have something, but you're like, mm, I don't know. Uh, where do you want to go? And you're like, I don't know. Uh, where do you want to go? What are you thinking? That never happens. Well, now y'all can both look together on this open table app and figure out what you want in a more informed way. So I think that's pretty cool. And I've been using it recently. So go ahead and check it out. All right. So with that in mind, I'm Noah. And I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. ZZ Talk. Uh, there's a delay on that every single I time. I know, I know. We'll get it yet. Keep yeah, going.